Help from the hills. Psalms 121. And then, like I said, uh, if you don't get nothing out of this series, you'll learn a couple of verses. And, uh, see, <laughs> he said, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence my cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which had made heaven and earth. I was thinking about that, what the psalmist said in 2713. I had I had fainted, lest I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have fainted unless I seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I, he, he was saying only, not only was it made, he may, I, he not said I made it, I had to believe, I had to see it. Sometimes you got to believe to see Sometimes you got to believe to see. And that very next verse after that, he says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Sometimes you got to wait. We got to wait on the Lord. But truly, you got to believe in order to see. Sometimes we don't see what's going on in our lives, what's working. We don't know why it's going on. It looks like doom and gloom. But you just have to believe to see. You know, Jairus' daughter uh, died. And Jesus told him, fear not, believe only. Fear not. And, and when he walked up into that house, everybody around him, he said, it's over with. It's done. She's gone. Uh, and uh, you don't need to come here. But Jairus hung on to what Jesus had said. He didn't, go, he didn't grab a hold of what he was seeing, what, what people was telling him. He, he hung on to what Jesus said. Sometimes you're going to have to hang on to what God has told you and not what you see. Not what you see. Not what you see or what you believe, because your eyes will lie to you. Your eyes will lie to you. But what he says will never lie to you. Amen. Amen. Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2 says, I will lift up my eyes from the hills from whence the help cometh. My help cometh from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. The psalmist said, There is help in the hills. I have found out that I'm, I am just flesh and bone just like you. I am just a man just like you. I put my britches on one leg at a time just like you, trying to serve the same God that you try to serve. I've got the same problems you've got. To, and what I have found out, if I come across something that helps me in the Bible, it just might help you. God has given me some things that helps me in my, my walk and my belief with God. And I believe that sometimes if I share that with you, it will help you. Because we're all fighting the same enemy. We're all serving the same God. We all got the same issues. And sometimes the Lord just gives me something that helps me. And I figured if I can turn around and give it to you, it might help you out in your daily walk with the Lord tonight. Look at Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24 tonight. Leave your Bibles open. We're going to be all over it. <laughs> I, I've got so much I want to get on to, and I just want to uh, 
be all over it, just to give you an idea of it. Exodus chapter 24, beginning in verse number 1. And I love this. I love this, this story here. I love, I love Exodus chapter 24. And he said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou, thou and Aaron and Nadab and Abedu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. He said, Come up here. I want you all to come up here, and I want you to worship up here. And then he said, And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words that the Lord and all the, all the judgments and the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord hath said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar upon the hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel which offered burnt offerings, sacrifices, peace offerings, and oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in a basin and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read the in the audience of the ear audience of the ear of the people and they said all that the Lord has said will we do and be obedient well I wish we could all be that way just just God speaks and we just to be obedient to what the word of God is and they went up Moses and Aaron Nadab and Abidu and uh, 70 of the elders of Israel and they saw the God of Israel and they there there was under the his feet and it was a paid work of sapphire stone, and as it were, the blood of the body of heaven in its clear, clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand, and also they saw God and did eat and drink. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me unto the mount, and there and I will give thee the tables of the stones and the law of the commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. Verse 13, And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua and Moses went up into the mount of God. Here we know this is the second time that uh, God is having to give the uh, commandments to Moses. The first time he came down off the hill and he got mad at them people and he threw them down and broke them. And here's the, God has called him up and says, you need to come up again. And then he refers to the commandments, which is ten commandments. You will find them written in Exodus 20 and other places. And we all know these commandments tonight. We don't have to go through them. Now I'd like to say this right off the bat. I am free from the law tonight. I'm living in a church age of grace. We are not under the condemnation of the law anymore. Amen. What the law did to condemn them, Jesus came along to free them. Amen. He freed them from the bondage of the curse of the law. Galatians 3 said, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed he that hangeth on a tree. Even though we are free from the law, free, if you will, uh, from the condemnation that the law brings, there are still some things that I believe that we look at that we can get some help from this hill. Where Moses receives these commandments, you say, What kind of help can I get from this? I'm a New Testament Christian. Let me give you three things and we'll get to that. And I believe that will help you. We receive help from seeing the wickedness of man tonight. How does that help us to see our own wickedness? Well, it lets us know about yourself. It lets you know about yourself. It lets me know about myself. We're living in an age of self-denial. 
Amen. Where nobody wants to know anything about themselves but all the good things about themselves. Nobody wants anybody pointing out the bad things that they have in their life. They want to know the good things in their life. The one reason I love the Bible, it never glosses over the errors of those that you've written about. The, it gives us the, the, the faults, the failures, the errors, and the sin of mankind. If you read the next few chapters out here, God starts to institute several of the, uh, these laws, the ordinances, the commandments. You know what all these things they do? They show you and I just how wicked we have fallen. Just how wicked we are, how depraved we are, and how far we have fallen from God. Do you know what the law used to do? The law, used to, the law was used to show us how, how we were helpless to get to God without blood being shed. We are hopeless to get to fellowship with God without something dying for our sins. We're transgressors and our failures this evening. The law could not redeem us. The law ju could not justify us. But the law is real good at condemning us tonight. You say, how in the world is that? Well, why don't you turn to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. It's one of the great chapters on showing us just how wicked we are. Just showing us what we are. Verse number 6 says, uh, But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we were sh should serve in newness of spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. Verse Paul is saying here, the law shows us how wicked, how wicked of a man we are. Verse 7, he says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? There's nothing wrong with the law. There, there is nothing wrong with the law. The law is right. We're the ones that's wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. We're the ones that's messed up. The law's not messed up. You and I are tonight, we are messed up. And he says, nay, nay, God forbid. Nay, I have, not, I have not known sin but by the law, for I have not known lust except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. Can I say to you that you would have not known that you shouldn't have told a lie if the law hadn't have told you. You, shouldn't have told, you did not have to tell a lie. Thou shalt not bear false witness. You would have not have known to serve one true God of heaven except the law said thou shalt not put any other gods before me. You would not have known to honor your father and your mother except the law told you. You would have not known it was wrong to murder someone except the law said thou shalt not kill. You would have not known it was wrong to take your neighbor, uh, your neighbor has except the law said thou shalt not steal. I know what you're thinking. Mankind is born imminently and even tribes in, in the deepest part of Africa and all those other nations that they have never gotten to. Something has written in their heart. God has, in fact, in Romans chapter 1, it says it was God that wrote the laws in their heart. Even at our deepest depravity of sin, we know that there are some things that are wrong. Amen. I know as a child you may grow up and just do things you shouldn't do, but when you come to an age, there comes a time in your life that you know that there are some things 
that are wrong. Verse number 9. For I was alive without the law once. This one this is one of those verses to deal with. We got talking the other day, I think yesterday. When does child come under the condemnation of sin and realize they need a Savior? This is one of the verses there. For I was alive without law once, but when the commandment came, came sin revived and I died. He said, the, the, the sin came, I died. Verse number 9, when the commandments came, sin revived and I died. Verse 10, and the commandments which was ordained, ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin taken occasion by the commandments deceived me, and by it slew me. Verse 12, wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. I did not say one point, it was not with the wickedness of man, uh, wickedness of commandments. I said it's the wickedness of man. There's nothing wrong with the commandments of God. It is you and I There's something wrong with us tonight. Verse 13, when was it that which uh, God uh, when was then that which is good made death unto me, God forbid. But sin that the might appear sin worked death in me by which that which is good, that sin making by commandment might be more, uh, become exceedingly sinful. Verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am, I am carnal, sold unto sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For that which I do, I allow not. He said, I'm trying, trying to live against the law. It just happens because of that is what's in me. That's what's in me. Verse 16, if then I do which I would not, I consent in the law that is good. Now then is no more I do it but the sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, now get this. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. He's saying, he's saying the law ain't bad. The law's good. In fact, we all look at the law. There's some things we can get out of law. There's nothing wrong with the law. The problem is the day is that we have changed the law to make it what we want it to be to fit our lifestyles and say, hey, that ain't wrong because I don't think it's wrong. There's nothing with the wrong of law. But when sin comes into your life, the law cannot save you. It cannot redeem you. It cannot help you. It took the blood of Jesus Christ to redeem you. Paul just took us always back to chapter Exodus chapter 24. And he put the law right up in our face to remind us how wicked we really are. When you, when you read the Bible, people sin doing this and doing that. It's, it's letting you know that you're just as capable of doing what they're doing because of the flesh that you live in. Don't think you're higher than anybody else. Don't think you're better than us. The, the Bible gives us pictures of those people in the Bible and the sin they had committed. <coughs> Abraham. Abraham committed sin. God didn't gloss it over and gave all the good points of Abraham. He, he told us how he, how he uh, 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 sinned in his life. Lot. Got drunk and had relations with his daughters. 
God ain't covering up. Samson, <laughs> that boy just was out in the left field somewhere until he got to the point and got his hair cut off. David killed a man to take his wife. It's not glossing over the sin, but God says, I want you to realize that everything these guys did, and we hold them in high esteem, Abraham, Lot, and, uh, and Samson, and David, we look at them as God's people. They made mistakes, and we look at each other as God's people. You have the same capability of doing the exact same thing they have done. The law, there's nothing wrong with the law. An old, uh, old preacher said that God lets enough fleas Stay on us just to remind us just how wicked we are. Now I, now, I got a dog. I love my dog. My dog loves me. My dog keeps that evil one from getting close to me. <laughs> I, I love my dog. She, I get in bed, she jumps right up there and lays next beside me. And, and, and I, I, I keep her groomed. She don't have fleas. She don't have ticks. And we keep her groomed. But I, I understand that still the nature of that dog is to be a dog. I mean, you, you, let, you let it go. If you don't train it, you let it go out, it's going to become a dog. It's just going to be exactly what it is. It's a dog. And let me just say this. Uh, you're it's nothing but a sinner lost without God. And if God lets you go and you go long enough, you're going to become exactly what you are, a sinner. The law is our trainer. It teaches us. Let us know just how bad we are, how wicked we are. Amen. It keeps you staying close to God. It changes you. You get a new master. You're not doing the same thing no more. You have a different outlook. You look at him. The master's taking you. What he's doing is training you, showing you how wicked you have been. And heading in a different direction. Let's go back to Exodus 24. So we see Exodus there showing us just how wicked we are, how we're condemned and how wicked a man can be. We find the, the way to meet God. We find a way for a wicked man to meet God. Look at verse 24, chapter 24 and verse number 2. Go back to number 2. And you've got to get this. And God says, speaking to Moses, and Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they, but they shall not come neither, nigh, neither, uh, neither shall the people come up to him. Look at verse number 13. And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. The rest that went with Moses would not come up. They could not come up the mountain with Moses. They were supposed to go back. I don't read anywhere in the Bible that Joshua stops halfway up or going back down with the rest. According to this verse right here, Joshua was the silent partner of Moses. Moses received the commandments. He goes all the way up with him. I, I get this in my mind, I, and you know, God has done to Moses this uh, commandment. Moses, only you come up. And, and then Moses gets up there, and I said, God looks at him and says, Moses, you're not here by yourself, Moses. 
I, I said you and you alone. Why is he here? Why, why is he here, Moses? I can see Moses. Don't worry about God. He's with me. He's with me. Or you can look at it this way. He can look at Joshua. Joshua, I did not call for you. I did not ask you to come. You're not supposed to come. What are you doing here? Uh, I'm with him. <laughs> so it's, it's, what is showing us how a wicked man can meet God. Moses gets the word from God. Moses, you're the one I've been chosen. Moses, you're the deliverer. A picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Moses, you're alone, and you're the only one that I will accept to come up here with me. Yet he doesn't go up alone. What's that try, what does that say? What does it say? Moses doesn't go up by himself. He has somebody with him. I got to think about it when he got there. You see what he's showing us. He's showing us the way, way to meet God. You say, what is the way to meet God? You've got to get with God's deliverer. Moses is a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. You've got to be the one that God, people got called out with. You've got to be with the deliverer. The one that delivered God's people. He is the picture of Jesus Christ. And if you're going to have fellowship with God, you're going to have to get meet God. You can't go to God on your own self. He won't accept your righteousness. He won't accept your goodness. The only one he accepts is his deliverer. The only righteousness he accepts is that of his own deliverer, his only begotten son. If a man wants to meet God, if a man wants to have fellowship with God, if a man wants to have fellowship with he's got to come through and by Jesus Christ. Listen, the only way that any of us accept before God is not because we're holy, ain't because we're righteous, it ain't because we're good, it ain't because uh, uh, with that, it's because of Jesus Christ. There's a reason why we get saved. We call on Jesus. There's a reason why we pray. We come in the name of Jesus. And we end the prayer in the name of Jesus. Because that is the name that God accepts and no other name will be accepted. It's not my name. It's not your name that God accepts. It's not your righteousness or my righteousness that God accepts. It's the righteous in the name of Jesus Christ. My only begotten son. It's because I come through Jesus Christ that I can go boldly into the throne room. The only way a wicked man can meet God is you come up with the right person. The only way that Joshua got to meet God is because he came with Moses the deliverer. You've got to come through the right individual. The religious says you work hard, you try hard, just do a good enough stuff. Just be faithful. Just keep the sacraments, keep the commandments, and people will help. Just help people. Give enough, and one day you'll be good enough. You'll never be good enough. You can never be good enough. Moses, by going through the Lord Jesus Christ, He's the one that opened up the way. He opened the door. He escorts us into the throne room of the presence of God. That's the only way that you and I are, are able to meet God. The only way that we can talk with God. Help from the hills. We see how 
we see that we recognize that we are a wicked man and that the law was not bad, the law was good, we're the ones that's bad. And we realize the only way that we can come through God is by someone else. It's not our goodness, but someone else's goodness. But look at chapter 32. Chapter 32. I want you to see the working of the mediator. Moses works as a mediator, a picture of Jesus Christ on behalf of these wicked individuals who have sinned against God. Don't have time to read all of it. You know what happened. Moses and Joshua are uh, up on the hill. Aaron makes a golden calf, and they fell down to worship it. They start playing that Egyptian music and start taking off the clothes and dancing. Can I say this? Worldly, carnal music will make you do things that you would never, ever do. It'll mess your mind up and it's going to cause you to do things you should not do. If you listen to carnal, worldly music, you better get it out of here. Verse 7, he said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get ye down for thy people, which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted them. So I love this. You'll find in the next two or three chapters, uh, Moses and God is arguing. <laughs> God says, that, they're, they're your people. Then later on, <laughs> Moses says, oh, no, God, they're your people. And back, back and forth, this back and forth, say, your people, your people, your people. They're, they're arguing about the people. And they go back and forth. Verse 8, they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto. And he said, these, these be the gods of Israel which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. I told you they had melt, melted down, made them golden calf, and they're worshiping. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen the wickedness, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make thee a great nation. But watch the mediator of Moses in verse 11. And Moses besought the Lord and his God and said, Lord, why doeth thou wrath wax hot against thy people? See, he says, man, Moses turned it back on your people. Which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with mighty hand. Your prayer life should incorporate telling God what he has done and what he has said. If you're not reminding God uh, that what God has promised and what He has said, then your prayer life is not going to be very effective. In fact, Malachi says, He said, Prove me. Remind Him what He has said. God, I didn't say that. You said that. You're, you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we asked or think uh, according to the power that worketh in us. Able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we asked. Think according to the power that worketh in us. He said, you got to remind God. God, you said this. I didn't say this. I want to remind you, Lord, I, I need help from you today. Remind God what God has said. I'm counting on you today, God, to do above all that above that I could think or do. So when you pray, ask, remind God, hey, I'm reminding you of what you have said. Verse 13, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. 
thy servants whom thou swearest by thy own self and saidest unto them, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and all, and all this land, and I have spoken of them. I will give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. See, he's reminding God what God has said. You said this, God. You told Abraham. You told Isaac. You told us what this is. Verse 14. And the Lord repented. God has to repent. You know, I read out in the Bible, people say God doesn't have to repent. I read throughout the Bible, but God is repenting over and over. God repented. And the Lord repented of the evil that he thought to do unto his people. It's a simple, repentance is nothing but a simple change of thought or action. If you don't think prayer changes things, if anybody tells you your prayer doesn't change things, that is not true. That is not true. You can read in your Bible over and over where God changes his mind that what he said he was going to do, he does not do it. Because of somebody praying, if your prayer doesn't change nothing, then stop praying. But if you're out to reminding God what he said, your prayer life will start changing them. And the Lord repented of the evil that he thought to do unto his own people. He, he, Moses was reminding God of what he said, what he promised, and he wanted God to understand, your people, your people, not my people. When you pray, you've got to remind God, you've said this, Lord. I want to remind you of this, and I need something from you now, Lord. Prayer is not just to change you, but sometimes prayer changes God. You have no idea what God's got in plan. But if you start praying, time and time again, God has changed his mind. Prayer can change mind. Look at verse number 30. We see the working of the mediator. Moses said this, I am going up that hill. He's telling these people, I'm going up that hill. And this is what I'm going to do for you. Y'all, y'all, because y'all have sinned such a great sin before God, I'm going up on a hill, and I'm going to make an atonement. You know what the word atonement means? It means a one-ment. Take two things and bring them back together, to, together again to, to set things right. It covers the sin that's been brought up before And here we find the mediator, Moses, goes to the top of the mountain, atonement all the way, all the way has to do with the blood. Obviously, Moses is going to take some blood to the top of the hill, and he's going to shed some blood for those people. And while he's up there, he's going to mediate with God. And in what he said, God, they have sinned. And if you're not going to forgive them, then just blot me out. Verse 30, he said, and it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, You have sinned, a great sin, and now I will go unto the Lord of preadventure. I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, and said Oh, this people have sinned, a great sin, and have made them a gods of golden. Yet now, if thou will, will forgive them, forgive their sins, and I will not blot me, blot you. I love this. You, get, you see it in your Bible. I don't know if your Bible's got this. It says, verse 33, Yet now, if thou will forgive their sin, then they, you see this long line? It's a pause. 
I, I picture this. Moses said, Lord, if you will forgive them of their sins. And they're going to pause. And if not, blot me out. Blot me out. I pray the uh, pray out of that book which thou hast written. He said, Moses said, Lord, if you will not forgive them of their, your, their sins they had committed, then, I, then just blot me out. Get rid of me. Take me out. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever have sinned against me, him will I blot out my book. He said, The people who are guilty. What does that say? What does that have to do with us? My mediator done the same thing for you and me. He walked up that hill, on top of that hill, and took blood with him. He got the top of Mount Calvary's hill. He shed his blood for his sins of his people who were guilty, just like you and me. And when the mediator shed his blood for us, you do not know what he you don't know what he did. He got cursed. For us. God removed him out of the land of the living for us. What Moses was saying, God, if you do this, if you don't forgive them, just remove me out of this land. Get rid of me, Lord. I, I'm just telling you, I am here, but if you don't forgive them, just block me out. See how the mediator of Moses is working with God? He's pleading their case. And he said, Lord, Lord, if you don't do this, then just get rid of me. Look at Isaiah 53. Jesus meeting us in verse number 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he was made his grave clothes with the wicked, and he was rich in his death, because he had done my, no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Verse number 12, Therefore I divide him a portion with great, and he shall divide the spoils with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgression. He buried his sins of many and made transgression for the transgressor. We now come boldly to the throne of God because of our mediator, Jesus Christ. He came to the top of the hill. He shed his blood. It pleased to satisfy the wrath of God. Jesus mediates for us. You know what Jesus was doing on that hill? The same thing that Moses was doing in Exodus 32. He went up to that hill and he hung on the cross. He ain't between heaven and hell. He was making intercession for you and I, for all the transgressors. He was making one onement with God. He took the hand of God and took the hand of wicked man and brought them together again, made that onement one with God and the atonement. He was the mediator of Christ. He was our redeemer. He brought us back to fellowship with God. What we could not do, Christ alone could do. We have been reconciled through the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. You don't have to worry about how you come to the throne of grace anymore. You don't have to try to tiptoe around it. You don't have to try to sneak in. You have the boldness to come into the throne of God 
in the presence of God because the mediator of Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood, and atonement for all sins of mankind. But you got to have him. You, you can't come to God on your own. You can't come by yourself. you got to come with the one redeemer, and that is Jesus Christ. Get help from the hills. We can know that we are wicked. We know that we are cursed. But we know that we have a redeemer that we can call on. We have some that we can call upon that's lead, that shed his blood for us. Amen. And the throne of grace has been opened up to you and I tonight. We can come boldly in tonight. Amen. Thank God that we have this opportunity. Thank God we have this chance that we can pray and ask God. And when you do pray, pray, pray. Remind God of what he said. Remind God of his word. In fact, he said in Malachi, prove me. Prove me. That's why we don't see a lot of things being changed. We don't see people's lives being changed. We don't see people get healed because we ain't reminding God. Lord, you said this. I just want to remind you what you've said. Come to God. The mediator. Amen.